Welcome back, everybody, to Discipleship, the Great Adventure Podcast. My name is Dave Burr, along with my co-host, Dave LeMasters. And today we have an awesome subject in faith towards God. And so, Dave, why don't you kick us off? Sure. Thanks for that introduction there, David. And welcome, everybody. As Dave said, we're we're going to start digging into what it is to have, have faith towards God. And kind of the outline we want to use, uh, I'm going to read a couple of uh, topics here, and then we're going to dive into it uh, with the scripture. So what does it mean to have faith in God? How can we establish this kind of faith in God? How is faith expressed in the life of the believer? So these are the areas that we're going to take a deeper dive on and give some scripture reference and have our discussion. What does it mean to have faith in God? The Bible makes it clear that faith in God on our part is necessary to enter into God's great salvation. One of the great books of the Bible that really defines faith is Hebrews, Hebrews 11. So Dave, can you read Hebrews 11, 1 through 3? Yeah, you bet. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. All right, thank you. So faith is agreeing with God's word through our confession and a lifestyle of obedience. How can we experience this kind of faith in God? Because God is good. Some people struggle with the idea of God being good. Many believers struggle in their walk with God and even having faith in God because they do not see him as a good God. Many believers are trying to have faith in God, but they are inhibited by the wrong view of God. There are several possible reasons for this. People struggle to have the right concept of God because they may have had a poor role model in their authority figures of their life. They may have had some terrible life experiences that they have attributed to God or acts of God. They may have been taught improperly often for the purpose of manipulation, and see God as an angry judge who is very demanding and impossible to please. You know, a lot of people have developed a lot of wrong concepts about God, and one of those is that God's nature is not necessarily good or bad. Well, one of the passages I like is in 1 Peter 1.16, and it says that God declares himself to be good. And that we can know that God is good because of his character. So we learn what is good by looking at him. We learn what is good by looking at the life of Jesus. I like Psalm 103 to 5 as well. And in there it talks about, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. God is completely for us. God is a, God is a good God. He is not here to... Uh, to cause us harm. Uh, in fact, that's another concept, wrong concept, if you will, that God only wants to make me miserable by giving me bad things that don't satisfy. Well, <laughs> that is the total opposite nature of God. In fact, Psalms 84 says that the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. He wants to give us every good thing he possibly can. 
And then James 1, 17 says that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So God gives us good gifts. And these gifts are, are what's suitable for us. What's suitable for one person might not be suitable for another. In other words, he knows my personality. He knows the gifts that, that are, are good for me because he knows, he knows us better than we know ourselves. Another wrong concept is that God disciplines me because he's angry with me. He's mad at me. Well, that's certainly not true. God is our father. And if you are a father, you have children and you discipline them. Or maybe you're a young man, young woman, and you've been disciplined by your parents. Well, nobody likes discipline, but, <laughs> but it helps correct us in the things that we do wrong. Well, God's like that too. He is our father, but he's not disciplining us out of anger. He dis- disciplines us out of, out of love. And yes, yeah, we mess up sometimes. And sometimes there are consequences that we have to face, right? I mean, that's, that's part of life, but that's also part of God's love for us. Another concept is that God is eager to judge me for my sin. But, you know, the Bible says that the Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in mercy. That's Psalm 103.8. That is God. That's our Father. He's not eager, eager to judge us and, and send us to hell. That's the total opposite of what our God is about. He loves us and he wants an everlasting relationship with us. So, Dave, I just want to summarize kind of the highlights of what you were just talking about. Yeah. The different concepts, wrong concepts, or wrong ideas that people have about God our Father. And, and it could be a number of things which you highlighted in more detail is maybe they had a bad experience. Uh, maybe they weren't taught correctly. Mm-hmm. Maybe they were maybe they were brought up with a bad father who treated them poorly. Very true, yeah. And then how do you have a, a good concept of who God the Father is when you haven't had good parental role models in your own life? Or maybe your father, your earthly father, was angry, so the assumption is God must be angry. Mm-hmm. When bad things happen to us, mm-hmm. then God must be against us, not for us, right? And th- these are all realities that people face and understanding how much God really loves us is hard to really understand or to to grasp for a lot of people. Yeah. So I want to read Romans 8, 28 and people, the Bible from the Old Testament, from Genesis through Revelation, from start to finish is all about how much God loves us about his mercy, about his grace. And this is just one small thing. This has been an important chapter in my life. It was actually my mother's that she loved so much. So this is Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according of his purposes. Yep, and that doesn't mean that everything is going to be good. Everything's going to be good in your life. What it, what it means is that all things that happen are going to work together for good. Yes. Yeah, so and from just early on 
in in our podcast, I kind of gave my testimony about, you know, my father died when I was 12. So God to me was not a loving God. Mm-hmm. I was extremely unhappy with him. I was angry. Yeah, you thought he took your dad away. I did. Um, and he put me on a short lease. He didn't strike me with lightning because I told him, well, I'm going to get even with you, right? So <laughs> I don't know how you get even with God, but basically I ran away. Hmm. And that's what a lot of people do is that they run away from the pain and the hurt. They're looking for different things. Yeah. But the goodness of God is unbelievable. Even if, if you've had a, a, a bad dad, and that happens to a lot of people, it happened to my wife, that God is so patient, so kind, so generous, so forgiving. He's had ample opportunity to smack me alongside the head of the stupid things I've done, the knucklehead things, but he continues to love me unconditionally. Amen. Yeah. Uh, you know, there. I, I mentioned there's consequences to things that we do in this life. And sometimes it's hard to, to see God in that because we've kind of done things to ourselves. And, and like, where is God in all this? And yeah, you know, whenever I found myself like that, God has always put people in my life to get me back to where I need to be. Yeah, he is faithful. Yeah. And his promises always come to pass. He is not someone to, who lies. He can't lie. You know, people think God can do everything. That's not in no, his nature. He can't. <laughs> yeah. He can't. He can't. He his when he promises, he keeps it. Yeah. I'll guarantee you. Yeah. Without failure. Yeah, absolutely. Because God has a great plan for your life. That's kind of why we have the topic of this discipleship is called the great adventure, because it really is. <laughs> it's it's not boring. Mm-hmm. It's exciting, full of thrills and chills and just unbelievable things. Even through the hard times, that's where you really learn how much God loves you. It is a great adventure. Let's go look at Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Many people struggle in faith towards God because their minds have been programmed to more readily receive failure than success, disasters more than than blessings. Yeah, and just the fact that God says he knows the thoughts that I think towards you. A lot of times we think we're not worthy, that God would, would even recognize us. But God says, hey, I know the thoughts that I have towards you. you know, I know the plans I have for you. God's got a plan for each one of us. And Absolutely. An, and, and if we give our lives to over to him, he will reveal that to us. And it's far better than anything you can possibly imagine. Yeah, yet people think, oh, if I let him control me, right. that I'm yeah. gonna, not going to have fun anymore. Yeah. And that is not true. Yeah. 
That is not true at all. That you become free. And like I said, your adventure starts when you give your life to Christ. You know, sometimes I think we have to maybe redefine fun or, I mean, fun is fun. Uh, but fun also is uh, temporary. doesn't last very long sometimes. But joy, on the other hand, is everlasting. And so that's one of the things that we experience when we're, when we're following God's path. Man, the joy that we have. The, I'll put it another way. I think stress is an option for Christians, meaning that if we give our lives over to God, we don't have to worry about things. Now, we can choose to, but God says, you don't need to worry. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. He's got everything under control. And when we enter worry and stress into our lives, it's something that we are choosing to do, and that brings some of the hardship along. That last part of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven says to give you a future and a hope. And that that is something special in today's world that we can have a future and a hope because there's not a whole lot of hope out there in the world today. But through God, there always is. That's the goodness of God. The other thing is because God is able to bring it to pass what he has promised, what we were saying earlier. God does not and cannot break his promises. Mm -hmm. And so how do we know what his promises are? We need to engage in relationship with him, and we need to read his word. We need to read Absolutely. the Bible. Yeah. The other thing, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And that's from Ephesians 3.30. God will never change. Now, some people, they don't like change. I'm in IT, so I have to like change, you know. <laughs> just just wait a few minutes, things change. Mm -hmm. But more on that is is God is unchanging. Yeah, you know, you mentioned that uh, it's difficult to have faith in anything that's constantly changing. You know, a lot of people have put their faith in science recently. And one of the things that's, that's become obvious in my mind over the last several years is the people who claim to be scientists are changing their opinions every every month, every every quarter, every week. It's just bizarre. It's like whatever fits the narrative that they want to espouse, that's what the science will will say. And so it's extremely frustrating if you're trying to put your faith in that because it is always changing. Science should be, uh, a true science would be, uh, you would have a hypothesis and then your peers would challenge it and uh, support it. And through that process, you would come up with a, a working hypothesis, if you will. But, you know, the science of today that's constantly changing, it's, uh, uh, it, it, it'd be super frustrating if that's what you are putting your faith in. So God is consistent in in His Word, in His His actions, His actions, uh, His character does not change. Yeah. And in James one sixteen says, "Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, mm -hmm. coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, 
who does not change like shifting shadows. That is stated throughout the Old and the New Testaments. Yeah, you know, one of the things about finding out who God is, it's in the Bible. He tells us who he is. He tells us, he tells us what he's all about. We did a, a, a podcast on the names of God. That's all in throughout the Bible. He tells us who he is. He tells us what his names are. So we're not left guessing. We're not left to, to wonder uh, who God is. It's right there. If we're willing to go and read his, his word, it is all there for us to read. He didn't leave us any, hey, figure out, <laughs> try to figure out who I am. He very plainly tells us who he is and that he is a good God. Absolutely. Hebrews 13, 8 states, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His truth does not change. He is consistent with his word, with his truth. He doesn't change his mind on what he wants you to do or not to do. He's consistent. Folks, if you really want to know all about faith, read Hebrews. Hebrews 11. Mm-hmm. But it's, that's a great place to understand what faith is all about. Mm-hmm. So just continuing on with your theme of God's goodness, you know, we are a candidate for his goodness. A lot of times we feel, I mentioned this before, that we aren't worthy of God's goodness. And that's Satan. That's telling, that's Satan whispering in our ear that you're not good enough. You're, you're still a sinner. You're still that, that person you used to be. And, and, uh, you'll never, you'll never match up to anything. And, uh, those are voices that we constantly hear in our ear, that's Satan telling us that we're not worthy, and yet we are more than worthy. We have been adopted by God the Father. So that's very special to me. Both of my girls are adopted, and I could not love them any more than had I produced them myself. So, you know, I, I try to put my, my feet in my daughter's shoes, but in my relationship to God. And here's what I can, what I understand. There's nothing that I could do for God to accept me as his child. He's just, he's adopted me. He's chosen me to be his child. He's chosen you to be his child. There's nothing any of us could possibly do. We can't possibly earn that right to be his child He's done that willingly for for each of us. He's adopted all of us as his children. So there's no strings attached when it comes to God's love for us. He loves us unconditionally. We don't have to act a certain way. There's no level of holiness that we have to attain. We don't have to reach a certain sainthood in a particular church. Like Dave said, there there is nothing we can do to earn grace from God. It's a gift. Mm -hmm. And he loves us. Well, there's two things. He loves us unconditionally. He accepts us unconditionally. You know, one of the great things about being a father, whether you adopted a child or had one naturally, is that you get to have that relationship with that person, with that child. That's the same thing with God. He wants a relationship with us. And that's what he craves. He craves a relationship with us. And, and that's, why, that's why he's adopted us as his children, so he can have that relationship with us. And he wants so desperately for us to accept that 
and that for us to have that relationship with him. So along with that, being adopted, we're adopted into God's kingdom. We are heirs of our father, not servants. We don't, we don't have to go serve as we enjoy the full benefits of God's family. Along with that is we also have full access to God and his resources whenever we want. Now, that means a lot of different things, but in Matthew, or sorry, Hebrews 4.16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when we're talking about full access to God's kingdom, is that we can go and petition and talk directly to the creator of the universe and he will listen. Now, sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says yes. But a lot of times he says wait, because God's timing is perfect. We tend to be, you know, I want it now. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's my money. I want it now. And what he's talking about here, all his resources, is all the gifts that God has for us. Be it grace love, mercy, hope, peace, etc., etc. What I love about this verse is the word boldly. It says, therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. It doesn't say come timidly. It says boldly. And that to me says, come get it. You need mercy. You need grace. You need forgiveness. You need whatever. Come boldly. Ask for it. Claim it. Receive it. And he's going to give it to you. Absolutely. And he does. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some practical application. So how can we express faith in our everyday life? How can we do that? Here's something I started doing uh, about two months ago, and it's reading the Bible out loud. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what I do in my quiet time in the morning, I read to my dogs. And to me, it helps to have an audience. (laughs) And and I think they enjoy it. But here's what I found out. When, When I'm reading silently, I can read, and I bet you have done this too, I can read an entire page, and my mind is completely off somewhere else. And when I get to the end of the bottom of the page... I have no earthly idea what I just read. Okay. Yeah. Now, when I read out loud, I'm hearing those words that I'm reading and I can't think of something else while I'm reading out loud. It's just the way my brain works. And probably most people is that there's a connection between my brain and my ears as and my mouth as, is this circle is kind of going through and I'm much more focused and much more cognizant of what I'm actually taking in. So that's my practical application. And I think my dogs appreciate it. Yeah. So putting the Bible next to your, your bedside there or under your pillow, that's, that doesn't work for you? It has not worked in the past, no. <laughs> and I think that's key is that I know folks who they, they want to deepen their faith, but they don't crack open the Bible at all. And 
the the Bible is the living word. There are times you can read the Bible, you come back at another time and you read it and something pops out. God's word talks to your soul. Yeah. So if you don't read it, then and you and you want to have more faith, you better crack that Bible open. Mm-hmm. But I do like what you say is it's it's true is and that's why we try to read scriptures in the podcast because we don't know if you folks have access to a Bible or if you're going to go do it. So we want to speak the word in what the Bible says because it's called the living word. Yeah, you know, in another way is is just confessing to someone else what what God is telling you. One of the things I hope that you get from this is that we struggle with our daily lives just like anybody else does and we're constantly working out our salvation on a daily basis i think bjorn said that in one of our earlier podcasts Mm -hmm. you know we don't we certainly don't have it all all together we are working through things on a daily basis and the more that we can talk to people about that they're going to say hey you know what i struggle with that same thing you know or here's what i've done and and it builds up the body it builds up me up uh, when I hear of other people's stories, I can certainly relate to it and learn from them. But if we all just keep our mouth shut, then nobody gets edified by that. I think, too, is giving praise when you go outside and you see a beautiful sunset and you just, Lord, that's mm-hmm. just amazing. That actually will start planting a deeper seed of faith and a deeper relationship with God, your Father, who is the creator of all things. Give him praise. As you give him praise, your relationship will grow deeper. Yeah. Another key part is living a life of obedience to the word received, meaning truly understanding what God's commands are. How, how does Jesus know that we love him? And some people just say, well, because he knows he's God. <laughs> no, there's a little bit more to it, right? How does Jesus know we love him? Yeah, it's obeying his word. If you're interested in learning about obedience and what it is to obey Christ, look up James chapter 1 and chapter 2. There's just a ton of really good direction, really solid, meaty things that you can take away from that chapter. As we wrap this up, how do we increase your faith, or can faith be increased? So I'm just going to read a couple of these. Uh, Settle in your heart that God's word is true. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust him. That's from Psalms 18.31. The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endure forever. That's from Psalms 119. You also want to put yourself in a place of hearing the word. So where do you hear the word? Go to church. Find a Bible-believing church, one that teaches and preaches the Bible from the Bible. It's not, you know, not a good, feely, warm, fuzzy church. You want to find a church that actually reads scriptures out loud. (laughs) Um, Also, you want to 
be a doer of the word and not just a, a, a hearer. So just hearing the word, that's a good start. But you also need to do what Jesus asked us to do. You need to be a doer. If you're just a listener, your faith is not really going to grow. But if you act, then your faith will grow, and you will be given the opportunity for that to happen. I'm thinking back in Ephesians 6, uh, is where it talks about the armor of God, and faith is the shield. And the shield of faith is what it what is called. And it's to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. That's the purpose of the shield. So faith can guard us much in the same way as a shield does in a battle. That makes sense. So when doubt creeps in and our beliefs are questioned, we can stand firm in our faith in Jesus because we know who he is. He's our protector. We talked about the names of God earlier. That's one of the names of God is our protector. And along with that is to exercise your faith. What does it mean to exercise your faith, Dave? Well, it's walking it out. It's trusting God and actually going forth. And I may not know necessarily where I'm going. As far as God has maybe told me to do something, I can feel it in my heart. I can feel it, you know, that um, God is, you know, that still small voice uh, can be pretty loud inside you sometimes. And he's telling you to do something, okay? Do I do it? Maybe sometimes. When I do, it's fantastic. When I don't, I feel horrible, you know, because I know I disappointed him. But does God strike you with lightning or have your car crash into a fire hydrant? No, uh, <laughs> not at all. Uh, he always provides me with another chance, with another opportunity. So let me, uh, I want to talk about Peter on the Sea of Galilee. He was walking on water. Now, a lot of times we, we kind of make fun of Peter because he took his eyes off Jesus and he fell in the water. But... I will say this about Peter. I don't know if you've ever been in a boat during a storm on the ocean. It is frightening, frightening. I was a, uh, a deckhand on a commercial salmon trawler uh, one summer in my younger days. <laughs> you can get into some bad weather. You can look down at the sea and the next minute you're out looking up at the sky, the sea, the sky. It uh, it's, can be horrific. Well, there is a huge storm on the Sea of Galilee, and all the disciples were in the boat, and they were cowering. They were in the they were down at the, the the as low as they could get in the boat because they were afraid of what was taking place. They saw Jesus walking towards them, and only Peter tried to get out of the boat. Now, to try to get out of a boat while you're in the middle of a storm is nearly impossible, but he did it. He was so eager to go meet Jesus. And he said, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come to you. And Jesus is like, all right, come on. And so he steps out of the boat and he starts walking on the water. That's walking out his faith. Now it may only only have lasted three or four or five steps. (laughs) And then he realized what he was doing and he took his eyes off Jesus and he put his eyes back on his human nature in gravity, <laughs> and then he sunk. But I got to hand it to Peter 
for getting out of the boat is a huge thing. My takeaway on this is don't be afraid to get out of the boat. It may be rocky. It may be stormy. But if you're feeling God telling you to do something, I want you to go talk to this person. I want you to go help this person. I want you to give that person $10 or something like that. You know, you'll, you'll feel these things well up in you. And it's like, why am I supposed to do that? Why do I, why do I have this burning thing in my head that I'm supposed to do that? God's telling you to like, get out of the boat. As long as it's according to his will, you know, cause we have an enemy who might want to try to trick us with the faith in Christ it's okay to say, well, Lord, is this really you telling mm-hmm. me to do this? And he will affirm it one way or another. Mm-hmm. But walking out our faith is is very important. A lot of it is uh, just being willing to, to get out of the boat and, and go do it. Well, I think this concludes our episode on Faith Towards God. And uh, we hope you have enjoyed it. We look forward to talking with you on the next one. Thanks, everybody. Take care. God bless. Bye.